Hey, everybody, and welcome to our Be Your Own Loud live stream slash podcast show extraordinaire. You know, the idea behind the show is very, very simple for us to bring you unbelievably amazing people who have done something that allowed themselves to realize that if they are truly themselves, everything ends up changing. And our guest today, I'm so excited. First up, Jerome Myers is who introduced us. For those of you who don't follow Jerome, please follow him. And guys, producing unbelievable content and is truly amazing human being. But we have Jen Duplessis. She is the CEO and founder of Kinetic Spark Consulting. We're going to find out all about you, Jen. So welcome to the show. Be your own loud. So excited to be here today, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, you said that you've done how many of these now? A little over 1,200. <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs> I have two podcasts of my own. One has been going on for eight years. That's a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. plus the second podcast, plus being a guest on podcasts. Yeah. So yeah, we went back and compiled every, everybody and everything and every name and where they're located and what the topic was and wow. a little over 1200. Wow. All right. Well, tell us your story. Eight years ago, you started a podcast, but your whole amazing existence started well before that. So tell us your oh, story. Yeah. yeah. Well, well before that. Well, thank you for asking. Yeah. I was one of 36 first cousins and the only one who is an only child in Michigan. You and I were talking about that mm-hmm. in the green room. The only one who was an only child at the time, and my father, John, and my my father, John, was an alcoholic. My mother, Ginger, was a verbal abuser, and we were sort of the low family on the totem pole, the ones that weren't weren't as rich as everybody else. And I don't know how rich everybody was. I just knew that we didn't have any money. <laughs> we had none. And my uncle Darcy one day said, you know, and well, here's part of the, the story, too, is that all of us cousins had nicknames, Dan the Man and Gene the Machine. Mine was Jenny who ain't got a penny and it was cute and it rhymed and I would carry a penny around in my shoe say, no, I have a penny. I have a penny, but I didn't really quite understand what it meant until one specific day, which I'll tell you about. But my uncle said to me, you know, Jenny, you're going to be just like your mom and dad. You're going to be an alcoholic. You're going to be poor. You're not going to amount to much of anything. As a result of that, I went around thinking, well, I probably wasn't. But one day I came home from riding my bicycle late at night, because back then we could. I remember that. (laughs) Riding my bicycle late at night, and I heard the familiar noise coming out of the house, which was mom and dad fighting again. And, you know, I walked in the door and through the screen porch and straight in front of me, my mom was sitting there nervously shaking her cigarette. And she was a fluffy woman. And, you know, the old overcoats that women wore, you know, zipped up all the way and kind of a mess just shaking. And my father had a shotgun to her head. I ran, I ran, I ran with my hands in my ears and ran to my grandparents who happened to live next door and to their garden, which I look at it now and it was a garden, but back then it was big farm Mm. (laughs) and they had corn and I hung out in the corn and, but I ran into the corn and I just prayed that I didn't hear a shotgun go off. And it was that moment I said, that's it. It's going to be different. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to prove to all of you that I will not be anything like them. I'm going to be so much better than that. And I will just prove. So I spent most of my life proving 
I'm only out on the backside of this. You know, it's kind of like saying I have, I've been dry, you know, as an alcoholic sure. for about 15 years, right? Because most of my life I was proving. And then I had a, a very specific moment in my life with uh, my family. And, and I said, that's it. I've had enough of this too. I'm done proving and I want to start living. And that's really where it all stemmed from is being told I can't do this. I can't do that. You're never going to make it. And in fact, I made it in every avenue that you could possibly think of. It's a competitive nature. Now it's built into my DNA, but I have much more control over it than I used to. That is a level of self-awareness and acceptance that you don't have to prove it anymore. Was yeah. there an antecedent to that? I mean, was it a light switch? Was it not a light switch? Was it an event? Do you mind? It was an event. I was climbing up the ladder. I was in the mortgage business for 35 years. I was in the top 200 loan officers out of 785,000. So that gives you an Ooh. idea of kind of the work ethic I had to get there, right? But before I was there, I was working really hard. I was in the top 1%. I was funding $50 million worth of loans a year. So that would be 50 loans if they were a million dollar loans, right? Mm -hmm. 100 loans if they were 500. So that kind of gives you an idea. And I was doing fine and I was in the 1% and still climbing and proving and climbing and proving, but I was working these horribly long hours, which most people in the mortgage and real estate space do. And we went to dinner one night and if you're not watching and just listening, I just did air quotes of dinner because <laughs> yeah, sure it's dinner because I'm going, but I'm not really there. Mm -hmm. And the phone rang. And of course I answered the phone and said, oh, you know, my client needs me. I need to go out and talk to my client. I went outside and I walk what I call the concrete balance beam. We've all walked it right back and forth in front of the restaurant, up and down the steps and waving to people as they're coming in. And I happened to glance over into the window of the restaurant and there they were having fun, not playing, but having fun, laughing, teasing with one another, creating all these beautiful memories, except I wasn't in them. Mm. And nor was I ever, because I was always the mom who was on the outside of the baseball field on the chain link fence, walking back and forth, talking to a client, covering the phone and going, way to go, baby, back to clients, right? Or sitting in the parking lot with my computer open my car as my daughter's inside having a recital. And that particular time really struck me. And I had said, I've, I've had enough. I broke down crying. I, I just was a mess. And I said, something has to change. So yes, that was a pinnacle moment. Mm. But then it took me about three and a half years to figure out how to do it. And so what I did is I said, there's got to be a better way. Somehow there's the right combination. I call it cracking the top producer code. Ooh. And I use it for anybody that I coach or speak to is what is that code to crack to what the results were was that I look back and I said, oh my gosh, I've already cracked it. I was doing a hundred million, but was in the top 200 and I was only working four days a week. Oh. So I didn't set out to do that. I set out to do the 50 million easier, not double and make it less time. But now I've cracked the code and I help others do the same thing. What's the code, man? How do you crack oh. this code? <laughs> now, I understand that people hire you and do all, you don't have to give us all the secret sauce, but yeah, come on, yeah. Jen, you, yeah. you can't oh, say no, no, something no. Yeah, like there's that. Five, you know, it's combination lock, right? So there's five, five things that go with it. One is clarity of your message, right? So you can mm. attract clients instead of chase them. Stop working and start winning every day. Making sure you're moving the needle. Stop eating soup with a fork. You get home every night and you're exhausted and you're tired because yeah. you're just going hundred miles an hour. And of course I was doing that too. But then yeah. I said, wait a minute, hold on. What do I really want? Who do I really want to play with? 
getting clear on my message so I can attract people rather than chase people. That's number one, clarity. Number two is community. I, I was sick and tired of working with people that didn't complicate or compliment me. Instead, I was working with everyone who complicated me because I was so hungry to prove that I would take on every client, every partner, you know, real, business partner, everything. And so I said, no more. I'm going to, and then I'm not going to, I'm going to nurture my database. I'm not going to neglect them because now I have fewer of them to to pay attention to. And that manifested into more business because I was paying attention to fewer rather than everybody. So that's number two. Number three is credibility, right? And so I elevated my credibility. I personal growth, professional growth. I didn't, it wasn't just going on the treadmill. I said, ah, how can I learn? How can I grow? And I elevated my influence in my area and my market and, and the industry that I'm in. And that attracted people to me. Then communication. So there's five of them. So this is the fourth communication, which is really my systems in order to scale. You've got to be able to create systems. You guys stop managing the methodology and manage the people and some vision around that, et cetera. But I had these really cool systems that were very, very effective and very efficient because they can't be one or the other. They have to be both. Right. And then last but not least, I've worked on my continuity or my priority management, as I call it. What really is important to me first and start taking care of me. Be as good to myself as I was to my business. So I really, really honed in and read everything and anything about how to be more productive in a shorter period of time. And now I have four businesses. They run exceptionally well with the same 24 hours that everybody else has. Those are the five the five combinations to crack the top mm-hmm. producer code. In, in the, the world that, that my partner and I have lived in for a really long time, financial services, uh-huh. right? It, it's that same, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah, it's that treadmill, right? Yeah. Do you have like a, I'm really putting you on the spot here. Do you have like a statement or something that verbally just shakes people back and forth and makes them realize that what they're doing is not healthy? <laughs> I have a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have a lot of them. Yeah, and I'll kind of rattle off a few. One is I believe that you can live your le- live your legacy while you're building it. That's one key thing is don't just build it and then not be there to live it. Live it while you're building it. That's about getting your priorities straight, right? And being very clear on what your intention is. The second is work with purpose or win with purpose so you can go play with passion. If you get up every day, and we know statistically salespeople, entrepreneurs get up every day, 95% of them get up without a plan. So if yeah. you can get up with intention and purpose, get in, get out, go have fun. You don't have to worry. It's not about working long hours. And it's it's certainly not even smarter, in my opinion. It's not working smarter. It's being intentional with what you what you do. Now, hold on there, yeah. because it's interesting I have seen at many, many conferences and the many people that I've coached and consultants over the year, consulted over the years, they wear that time at their desk as like a badge of honor. How do you make them remove that as a badge of honor and realize that it's actually, it's not the, the honor that they should look for? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting that you say that because I used to call it the glorification of busyness. Like I'm more busy yeah. than you are. Ooh, you need to get more busy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and people would say, you know, how are you doing? You go, oh, I'm just busy, busy, busy. I don't say that anymore because I, I do think it was a glorification of busyness that that you were a loser or lazy if you weren't working these crazy busy hours. And it, yeah. I always tell everybody, look, you need to slow down enough to speed up instead of speeding up to slow 
down. And, and that scares people because, well, if I slow down, everything's going to fall apart. No, what will fall apart is everything that doesn't need. It's like picking up sand. There's some sand that's going to fall through. And the things that will fall through are the things that aren't important anyway. We get trapped into distractions and the shiny object syndrome and keeping up with the Joneses. I, my mom used to call it, oh, my honey, you have such a great quality of life. And I started saying, well, that's not what I want. I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. What I really want is a life of quality. Mm. And there's a big difference. So I wrote my first book uh, five years ago. In fact, I was trying to count this morning in bed going, has it been five or six years? Because I don't have it quite right. But I think it's five years ago, maybe six, and uh, called Launch, How to Take Your Business to New Heights. But really what, what we wanted to call it was shut up and go do it. I mean, can you just shut up and just go do it? So we started changing that to stop talking, take action, get results. Stop mm -hmm. it with the chit chat. Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And when this happens, that will happen. And when this and just just shut up and go do it. Do the work that moves your business forward, right? But you can't do it if you're running 100 miles an hour. You have to slow down and figure it out, and then you can move forward. You know? The, now, yeah, go ahead. With, with, with your history, it would mm -hmm. seem to me, and I'm presupposing here, so you can tell me, dude, you're totally wrong, that because you had such an out-of-control childhood, that one of the things that happens with people who have such lack of control in one area of their life, they want to maintain an over amount of control in other aspects of their life. And a lot of times, really hard drivers have mm -hmm. that sort of level of need for control. Yeah. In those five C's that you talked about, control wasn't one of them. No, ironically. And for me, it was just proving. <laughs> it wasn't sure. control. In fact, I was living in total chaos. Chaos, overwhelm. Even when I talk about it, sometimes my chest starts hurting because it's just, oh, I can't believe I lived in that. And I have so many clients. I'm such an empath. And so when I'm coaching people, sometimes I get off of phone calls and I'm, I'm physically ill mm -hmm. because they're in that mode. My goal is to get them out of that mode. For me, again, it was proving it was proving it's not about control. It was about proving. So anything that I could grab onto to show that I was better than they were or doing more than they did, uh, wanting to improve myself, that's what was most interesting for me. And of course, guess what that does? It brings in a lack of control because there's too many things that are going on at one time. And that's where <sighs> I have to just say, you got to slow down, take the time to smell the roses, so to speak. Things will come to you. Ideas will come to you when you slow down. They won't come to you when you're moving 100 miles an hour. It's the old sharpen your axe theory. Mm -hmm. It's a sharpen your axe theory. You've got, to, you've got to stop and sharpen your axe before you can be good to others. Put your own mask on before you can be good to others. It happens in every line of business. We've had other coaches on the show and they all have different tips, tricks, and techniques mm -hmm. to get people to do this. Why do you think that societally or that we as successful people now look back on what we did that was wrong and want to help other people and not wear that badge of busyness or, or make a lot of the mistakes? What do you think has yeah. changed in the world to make it so that people seek out people like you to hire? That's a good question. I don't know what's changed in the world. I know that... My thought was I had all this beautiful success, but it took me 30 some, 25 years to accomplish it. 
if I could just condense it for others, if I could awaken them to the idea that they don't have to have a bad back like I have, right? I'm standing now because I have a bad back. They don't have to have a bad back. They don't have to have a divorce. We spend all of our lives and I there's a phrase for this too. And so let me see if I can get it, but we spend our well, our health creating wealth. We use our health to create wealth and we, we put everything aside for this wealth, for this vision of something. But then when we get older, we spend all of that wealth maintaining and getting back our health. I think for me, and so I don't know why people seek that out now. I just know, and maybe COVID had something to do with it where people slowed down enough that they could see it. But from my perspective, the thing that gives me the most joy is seeing someone achieve success, whatever that definition is for them. I have clients that want success financially. And I have clients that say, look, financially, I'm great. I need a life. And if we can achieve that, that's what gives me all the joy in the world. So I don't know why they come to us as much as I know why I'm reaching out to them. And every day, this is my podcast is called Success to Significance. Every day I'm saying, how can I make an impact on others, an impact on others, make them feel that that there is, I, it's funny, a light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes a light at the end of the tunnel is a train coming at you. <laughs> so I'm not going to wait for it to come to me. I'm going to help my clients go there. Well, let's talk about what you do with this because you are a, a speaker, which by the way, we're going to have all of her links in, in the show notes as we always do. If you want to hire Jen as a speaker, an author, a coach, you do retreats. I want to talk about the retreats, if you don't mind, just for a yeah. few minutes, because I think a lot of people would love to spend really intense time in order to try to make changes. But how do you help somebody in a three, five, seven day retreat maintain that momentum after they leave that real period of intensity when they go back to their normal every day? Yeah. And it's really hard too, because, well, I was going to say hard is challenging Because now what we're seeing is so many people bring their spouses to the retreats because that you can't, you can't put in words what you experience at Mm. a breakthrough retreat, right? And we call it epic, epic mastermind, but because it's epic, it's what we want is so much more than what you ever thought um, was possible. And so it's challenging because people go home and they just tell their spouses about like, oh, it's a bunch of woo woo and a bunch of this. But I believe that mindset plus mechanics, and this is where my strategizing comes in, mindset plus mechanics is where the momentum happens. And so you have to have both. I do masterminds and retreats, and they're part of the same program because you can have all the mechanics in the world, but if your head's not on straight, you won't get where you need to go. Whereas if you have your head on straight, you can fall and stumble upon the on the mechanics. You're still going to create momentum because you can hire people for the mechanics. So in the retreats, what we do is we, it's a little combination of both. I don't coach anybody. In that circle, I already ca- I have my coaching clients for the lending side. I've, I've maxed out, so I have a waiting list now for that. So what I do here is that I bring people together and I do the masterminds, but when it comes to the retreat, I lead the retreat, but I bring in other coaches and speakers from other areas based on the group, what they need the most of. And if they want to work with them, that's fantastic. 
And I allow for that to happen. And I want that to happen. But what we do is we do a lot of breathing. We do a lot of journaling. We also do a lot of inner work. You know, I usually call it inner and outer space, self-worth, net worth. This one I'm actually leaving in a couple of days, going to the one we're having right now. And this one is reflections in mirrors because it's a time for reflecting. It's the end of the year. It's COVID. We're and coming out of COVID, hopefully. And we're now, it's a time of reflection and looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying, what, what do you want? Not what everybody else wants. What do you want? We do a little combination of that very small amount of tactical work, but we do talk through some tactical things, but it's mostly, there's a lot of crying. <laughs> both men and women, but it's, it's relieving. It's very relief oriented. It's funny because the day after every retreat that I do, I go on a solo retreat for one Mm -hmm. day. And all I do is cry because I've taken so much of everyone's energy and it's just a big release for me too. At the end of the day, that's what we do with them. And they're very epic. That's why I called it that. Yeah. 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 Let's talk a little bit about the idea in the reality of you being an empath and working with so many people who have so much energy that you're taking on, that is probably one of the wisest things I've ever heard anybody on this show or in my coaching experience say that you give yourself that day. Yeah. But do you think it's important to protect yourself to have some sort of an empathic shield? Oh, I do. Or have do you, one. Okay, yeah. you do. Yeah, okay. I do have an empathic shield. Yeah, the thing is, my my. It's funny that you talk about this because I had to work with someone who to help me protect my shield. Yeah. Because as a as a young little girl, I had a very 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 strong armor around me. And I, cause I was ashamed Yeah, you know, I was embarrassed and I didn't let anybody in and I got this. I'm strong. I'm woman. Hear me roared. I don't need anybody. That's not, that's not abundance. That's scarcity, but I thought it was abundance. And I know you wanted to talk about vulnerability. So this is part of it is that I thought the shield was, I got this. No problem. Stay away. Nope. Don't need you. Don't want to show any weakness. When I finally let that go and I finally first told my story about 12 years ago, I was asked to speak at something and I, and I was so afraid and so nervous because I was, this was the first time I was going to say to the world that my father was an alcoholic and I came from this tumultuous background, but it was so freeing. But it, initially I was poking holes. There was no, you can't take my turtle shell off. I'm going to freak out, right? So I was poking holes in it, but now the shell's gone. There's nothing I'm hiding. Absolutely nothing I'm hiding. So then I had the opposite problem. Mm-hmm. So when I'm standing on a stage of 3,000 to 5,000 people, everybody gets me all the way to the back row. Right? And it would just take so much energy from me. And because I have this real acute sense of my energy, I just, I would get, in fact, I would, was talking about this with that coach, this coach I worked with. And she said, what do you do before you get on stage? I said, I pray to the Holy Spirit. I come down on me, bless me that I can give anybody and everybody anything that I make an impact on everyone's lives that someone out there, you know, changes their lives. I'll never know, but that it changes their lives. And I was physically doing this with my hands. Give it, yep. give it to the world, right? 
And she said, no, 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 no. What I want you to do is I want you to have a shield around and I want you to give of yourself, but give enough that it bounces back and you win and receive too. Now, when I vision, I vision that I'm speaking to everybody, but I have a, a shield around me that goes, oh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine, 10 rows in. And that shield is not too far out there that I give and don't receive myself because I want to receive as well. That's what I, I'm very careful to ensure that my energy doesn't get drained all the way. And especially when you're doing a retreat, when there's, you know, like 40 or 50 people at a retreat, I have to make sure that I'm only given to 25 at one time. Mm -hmm. I don't give away all of it, but I'm such an empath. It's my grandmother passed away and I became an empath. I don't know how. Oh my gosh. I'm such an empath that, that, I mean, I can read everybody's energy. It's Mm -hmm. it's just crazy. But no, if I had one person in there, I would cry afterward. Mm. Just because I'm I'm very emotional when it comes to people's feelings. And I, I don't like them to be in pain. And that's part of my childhood. I don't want anyone no. else to be in pain. Nobody. But I had to learn that some people will just be in pain and I will be there to support them. But now the coaches can do that. You know, the coaches can help them after the retreat to continue the momentum because they were there too. Yeah. You have put out unbelievable amounts of content. One of the things that I hear all the time is, how did you make time for that? Which leads me really to this idea that you're having this new TV show. But before we get to the TV show, can you talk a little bit about how you have, because communication was one of your five C's. Mm -hmm. So how did you make that switch between normal communication, I'm air quoting there for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, normal communication, and then what you did, because you really stepped it up before anybody else did. How have you been able to manage your level of communication without it becoming overwhelming? First of all, it's a habit. It's not going to happen overnight, (laughs) right? It's not going to happen overnight because I think people, you know, at the beginning of the year, they want to stop smoking and lose weight and exercise and get touch base with more people. And they fail pretty much at everything. It's small little pieces that you have to learn how to uh, make them second nature. You know, I don't know if you're married or not, I'm, but my husband knows it takes me an hour to get ready. But if I had to, I could do it in 20 minutes. If I had to, because sure. I have habits and systems in place. And that's the thing that I had to learn was putting these systems in place so that, and there's, there's a, a couple different aspects to it too. Customer service to me, is a conveyor belt. Everybody does customer service. You can get customer service online or in a store by yourself. Customer service. What I focused on and still focus on today is customer experience. CX. How did they feel after having encountered me? Did I leave a mark? Did I leave an impact on them? So that it creates this revolving door of clients coming back into us because they're so compelled to tell everyone about it. When something goes so great, you just can't wait to tell everybody about it. Mm -hmm. I was creating an experience. And again, the whole idea here was if I create this experience and people are drawn to me, then I I have less time than I need going out and begging and pleading and pulling, but rather having these followers. For me, that that was one of the first things I started doing is if I were going through this again, because it's mortgages, people do this five times in their lives. I was doing it a hundred times a day. 
What would I want that would make me feel like I wasn't part of the conveyor belt? What happened is I just started adding little features, little phone calls, little tidbits of touching base and letting them know that I care and I, that I care and that I'm there. I didn't carry. I cared. There's difference. It became a habit. During a purchase transaction, we had 71 points of contact with the clients. Some of it was mechanical and some of it was mindset. But what ended up happening is every time we did close to, you know, a family alone, we had two or three more referrals. And then that became a bigger problem, right? We had two or three more referrals because we were throwing in these little mindset pieces that were showing really how much we cared for these clients because they were our livelihood, So that's how I changed the communication. And I carried that right into what I do now and why Mm -hmm. my relationships with people like you and people that I speak with and all of that are still very, very strong and very, very connected because I make it my intention to be around people intuitively. It's just my intention. I think we get so bogged down in our own personal lives that we don't see anything else. Well, you said something early on with that, that... It's about the whole giving aspect of it. It's that abundance mindset. I have to go back to this, the empathic thing just a little bit more because the show is is called Tell Me I Can't. Yeah. And, and the greatest hosts of shows uh, like Oprah, Ellen, yeah. Phil Donahue, those people who were going to be interviewing people or helping facilitate these stories just had this unbelievable level of empathic understanding. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the show, tell our audience about the show and, and and why they should tune in and and maybe a little bit more about it. Yeah. Well, thank you. I had this poll. I mean, I I mentioned that I sort of capped, I always hate using that word capped, but I'm sustaining my coaching program, right? I haven't capped Mm -hmm. it. I've just sustained it. I, I was at a fork in the road. One of my goals was in three years or in five years to have a certain amount of clients. Well, I accomplished that in three years, about two months ago. Mm. And of course I did, because that's what I do. I'm so competitive. Mm -hmm. I came to this fork in the road and I said, either I'm going to have more coaches and have all these people and be one of those, or I'm going to keep in my path, which was that I wanted a boutique company where I could intimately be involved with the concerns and needs and, and sense I could sense from even a text you know, or even the way someone looks on a screen, how someone is and be able to grab that and take it and change the outcome, do a course correction. And that's why I sort of the communication we were just talking about, I decided, you know, I'm not going to grow that. And the reason why is I love it. I absolutely love it, but I don't want to be the biggest, baddest coaching thing. I want to have a boutique company that makes an impact on people. But I was being drawn. There was a bigger pull coming on the other side to share my story with other people, 97% of people in the world, when they're told they can't, they put their tail between their legs and they go in a corner. There's the 3% of all of us speakers and coaches and influencers that say, get out of my way. Well, so I'm not really talking to you guys, right? I'm talking to the 97% of people that, that can learn from someone else's story. My gift to be able to do that is way different than the gift that Jessica Cox has that that I'm going to be sharing on the show who doesn't have any arms who flies air flies airplanes. Her her gift is different and I want others to see that 
your gift doesn't have to be my gift to still be able to do what you want to accomplish in your life and whatever impact you want to make or whatever money you want to make or whatever legacy you want to leave for your children, whether it's financial or not. It was, it was really a pull for me. So it wasn't, and it isn't, it isn't ego. It isn't, it's not notoriety. It's nothing that just have this pull to help other people say, get out of my way, watch what I can do, not prove I might say that. I might say, tell me I can't, I'm going to prove to you because that's me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. More it's get out of my way or watch what I can do because these stories will empower other people to say, get out of my way. No one's holding me back. I was made for greatness. There's so much more that God gave me and I've got to bring it out. And so I'm hoping to shine light on that for everyone um, so that I can make an impact on the world when I'm gone. There's so much I need to unpack there. (laughs) That's all right. No, no, this is wonderful. (laughs) This is going to be one of those shows, everybody, that you're going to want to listen to again, because there's so much going on with everything that Jen is saying on so many levels that sometimes it will connect with you today. But then it's these, it's like a master farmer where she's planting all of these seeds that at some point something is going to water them and you're like, oh my God. And so that's, that's, I'm first off incredibly grateful for all of the seeds that you've planted with our audience today. Thank you. If you could leave everybody today with a quote, a saying, something in your life that, that might just shake them enough to make it so that they get out of their own way and they stop taking all of their health to, to achieve this wealth and then have to spend all of that wealth to live uh, a really a lesser quality of life. And also really to stop focusing on why you need to drive so hard now instead of being able to drive smarter now, more efficiently now to make it so that we can live now because today is a gift that we are given every day. And stopping and realizing that today is a gift is part of that breathing thing, that ability to just slow down so you can truly speed up. But would you like to leave our audience with anything today? My mom had this quote. I mentioned to you the quality of life versus life of quality. So I want to first start with seek a life of quality. That's, that's a key thing is that if if you like watching ants carry food, then get more of it. (laughs) If you like going on date nights with your significant other, get more of it. I'm a dancer. So I get, I get more of ballroom Latin and swing dancing. I'm also a Marx woman. I get as much of that as I can get everything is built around what you love and what fulfills you. So you have to find out what in the heck fulfills you. What makes you happy every single day? We're building our walls around our house with our jobs and our entrepreneurship, but what what's building you from the inside out? It's an inside job. So my mom had had this quote and I'll share it with you. We flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. And for me, that just gets me in the heart. I mean, it just stabs me right in the heart. Yeah, you're right. Treat everybody else with all this beautiful grandeur, etc., And then we bite the heads off of people around us. And it is, if that can't change the way that you're doing things, I really don't know what will. You You have to be, I'm going to go back to alcoholism again. An alcoholic will not help themselves until they've had enough. So my question is, haven't you had enough? Aren't you sick of it? Isn't it time for you to live instead of working? 
And that's what I would leave everybody with. I'm sure that there are people who are going to want to reach out to you. What is the best way for people to reach out to you to find, to hire you as a speaker, to buy your books, what, <laughs> what all of the wonderful things that you provide to, to everybody, uh, what's the best yeah. way for them to find out? You can go to genduplessis.com because you'll find information there, or you can text strategy to 66866 and you can schedule a strategy session with me just to learn more about the masterminds and the retreats because there's no coaching anymore, but I'm happy to strategize with you and help you get set on the right way or send you to a coach that I think can help you with what you're a mentor that you're looking for. I'm all about inspiration. I don't believe in motivation. I believe in inspiration. That's really what my my speaking is about is inspiring people to enact change in their lives, not motivate you for a short period of time to take some action and then get back in the cycle. And with that, there's so much here. Please go back and, and listen to this again. Grab a piece of paper and take notes because there's going to be a lot of things that you realize that Jen said that are affecting you now in your life and that there is a way to interrupt those patterns that you have become so comfortable with that are really actually holding you back from the true greatness that you can be. And part of that, again, is truly understanding who you are and looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what, I'm okay with that person. Can I get better? Absolutely. But you have to start with a baseline of truly understanding that you're okay with who you are. And once you figure that out, the world is unbelievably your oyster. Mm -hmm. So if you have not gone ahead and clicked on those links, make sure you click on the links in the show notes to make sure you connect with Jen. Jen, thank you very much for your time and all of your wisdom and everything that you do. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I really appreciate it. For all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to Be Your Own Loud, where we reverse engineer success to help you accelerate your influence and break free from the torment of sales. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our podcast, share with others in your company or profession, follow us on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Visit us at Proudmouth.com and join our Influence Accelerator Academy for free to enhance your marketing mindset and know-how.